0: Right, good morning and good to see uh, many people back today. Um, I presume it's somehow linked to Mother's Sunday or Mother's Day. Right, Uh, for those who haven't been here for the early part, we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. We're looking at who he says he is. because if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to know who he claims to be. Uh, In a moment, when I get to the main passage, it'll be in John chapter 10. Uh, from verse 1 to verse 10, if you want to start finding that in your Bible, while I just indulge in a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, As has been mentioned, uh, smartphones and me don't seem to get on, but just reminded when I was thinking about it just a moment ago, I was thinking, actually it's 25 years since I got my first email address. So... Once upon a time, I was at the cutting edge of technology, but I'm now getting to the stage of realising that technology has moved on, and I haven't. Uh, I do make the occasional attempt to keep up to date, so some of you will know that I have a Twitter account, and I occasionally tweet, and I will usually retweet things. Uh, Not that I'm obsessed with numbers, but I had a check this morning and I think there's 10 of you who follow me, so good for them. Uh, What surprised me is that two of you seem to be following me twice under different identities. I'm not quite sure what that means. But also I've got about another 10 young people who are following me who I've got no idea who they are including six young ladies, most of whom seem to be in the Iberian Peninsula. Now, why they follow me, I haven't a clue, but some of them have been following me for uh, quite some time. But like most things, and I'm trying to keep up to date with technology, I've since discovered that Twitter is on the way out, and uh, they don't seem to be able to make it too successful. I think it's sort of just plateaued, and other things are taking its place but I think I'm going to have to stick with that. But if you do follow my tweets, you might find that every so often I tweet uh, things from somebody called the Herdwick Shepherd, uh, whose actual name is James Rebanks, and he's a sheep farmer in the Lake District. Now, sort of, those who've heard me talk about my background will know that the Lake District and sheep are things dear to my heart. Partly because uh, when I was growing up, each year we'd go for, to visit my uh, grandparents in the northern bit of Cumberland, just north of the Lake District. And so we always used to spend at least one, if not two weeks, uh, in the lakes. And you can't really spend time in the Lake District and go fell-walking without coming across Herdrich Sheep. It tends to go with the territory. Uh, there was the renowned uh, occasion when uh, with my father and my brothers we were climbing up a mountain and as often happens in the Lake District you find that as you're getting towards the summit you're actually not getting any good views because it's cloudy uh, and the clouds are down and so then you rely on the cairns where people put heaps of stones to mark the path and we were following nearly on the summit of one of these mountains and one of my brothers said oh look there's the next cairn and went walking off towards it and then the can got off and walked away. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we then managed to get back to the path and uh, eventually got to the summit uh, quite safely. But I don't know what it is, but sheep seem to have quite a big cultural impact in all sorts of different cultures. So I liked Wallace and Gromit. But I think for most people, their favourite character in Wallace and Gromit is actually Sean. Uh, and in fact, again, doing a quick check, it seems that Sean's the one which has taken off. So Wallace and Gromit seems to have got retired. But Sean the Sheep is sort of uh, uh, now fighting off llamas, apparently, or something. And uh, other things are going on. And there's obviously, for younger people, there's his uh, cousin Timmy. Uh, so that, you know, if you really want to... Uh, get a good dose of sheep. It's, whether it's real sheep or artificial ones, there is always the opportunity. The bit I'm going to be reading, there is a lot of reason behind all this, of course, and the bit I'm going to be reading is actually talking about sheep and shepherds. And I think the thing we've got to do is almost put to one side all of our cultural assumptions about sheep and shepherds. Because if we come to what we're reading with sort of an English cultural thing about she- uh, what you do with sheep and with shepherds, we're not going to get the right images. Because if you think uh, with English sheep, you have your shepherd and his sheepdog. In fact, James Rebank probably tweets as many pictures of his sheepdogs dogs as he does of his sheep. Uh, so, but... In the time of Jesus, and now in the Middle East, shepherds do not drive sheep with sheepdogs. They lead their sheep, and the sheep follow. They call their sheep by name. So they can call the individual sheep, and the individual sheep respond. And... It's interesting when you're sort of reading around this. So I read a bit in Tom Wright and he was talking about this, and he then put the bit, I've seen it happen. Because he spent a year, I think, in Jerusalem studying at one point. So, you know, it is something which still happens with shepherds in the Middle East. So, this is the context of where I'm going to be reading from now in uh, John and chapter uh, t- 10. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The bit most people know from this passage is obviously the next verse, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But that sounds fit for next week. But it's one of these things, you can't sort of separate out the bit I've got where it says Jesus says I am the door and the I am the good shepherd. So sometimes I'm going to have to cope if I take any of his best bits uh, uh, today. But I want to mainly concentrate on the I am the door part. But before I go into that, just as almost as an aside, I did mention last week when I was talking about Jesus saying I am the light of the world that one of the cultural issues we can have in this country is a very strong individualism. And therefore, if somebody tells you 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 should do something one way, your immediate reaction is, why should I? You know, and almost go the opposite way. But one bit you do get here is, although that side of individualism is not uh, helpful, on the other hand... Jesus calls us all, each individually. I won't go into this in more detail, because I think that probably comes more under the good shepherd side. But the point we have here is that when this shepherd goes to the uh, sheepfold, because the risk then in those days was either of your sheep being attacked at night or your sheep uh, being stolen In our culture, we leave the sheep out. We don't get them in at night. The sheep become brought into protection at night. Maybe they need to start doing it now because I understand that thefts of sheep are increasing and uh, it's becoming more of a problem uh, than it used to be. But you have all the sheep together in this fold and the impression given is that In a sense, several shepherds keep their sheep in the same fold at night. Presumably because it's cheaper and you only have to employ one watchman to watch over all the sheep. So the shepherd comes and he calls his sheep individually by name. And I think the thing we need to remember is although being a community and being a church is important and is an extremely important part of the Christian life. There's also this element, we are all called individually by name. Jesus knows each one of us individually. We're not known by him as a mass. You know, when, uh, sort of, it's not a case that sort of, if you like, uh, in the courts of heaven, that they're thinking, right, we have sort of 1,200 saved in this country today, 65 over there, and whatever. It's each person individually. And so, therefore, it, it means that we have personal worth in God's eyes. And in fact, the whole concept, if you like, of human rights comes originally although it's moved on from that now, from the fact that because we have worth individually in God's eyes, each of us individually have worth here on earth. So once you take away the fact that our worth comes because we're seen individually as having worth in God, a lot of the underpinning of human rights, a lot of the underpinning of our law goes. And uh, the consequences of that, I think, are not that severe now, but the more that underpinning disappears, the consequences will develop. So, the disciples, well, it wasn't just the disciples, the people who are around. Remember, this is, we're talking... Jesus is up in Jerusalem. We had the bit I was talking about last week. You then get in chapter 9, a blind man who Jesus heals. And then there's a big argument as to, could Jesus heal this person because he's from God or not? And all that argument's gone on in between from where I was last week. So Jesus is talking to a crowd of people who've been discussing you know, what? what's the reasoning, what's happening? And in the pr- end of chapter 9, Jesus says to the Pharisees who say, are you accusing us of being blind? He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but because you can see, your guilt remains. And then he goes on continuing to talk. So it's a mixed crowd here, some of whom are Jesus' followers, some who are not, some who are from the rulers who've come to interrogate him, in a sense. So he then goes through this bit about the sheepfold, about him being the shepherd, calling out his sheep, and people haven't quite fathomed what is he talking about. They're probably trying to interpret it in a different way to the way he intended. So Jesus then goes on to Expand on it from verse 7, which gets to the bit which I'm going to concentrate on. So, geez, we've almost got a, a changeover now because initially Jesus is saying, You know, there's a sheep in the sheepfold, I'm the good shepherd, I come in through the door, I call out my sheep. People who don't come in through the door are robbers and thieves. But to, in expanding it, he actually changes, if you like, the picture. So in verse 7 it says, So Jesus said, again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the she- sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. <coughs> so he's now gone, changed the picture, if you like, from him being the shepherd To him actually being the door, the access to where the sheep are. So he's making a point here that he is the only way. Now this would be one of the things I I think in the questions to think about. But in our culture... The claim that Jesus is the only way is probably one of the main claims of uh, Christianity of which people find most offensive. Because we have a culture where people want to see that there's many different ways. So maybe one thing to consider, because I'm not going to talk about it anymore now, is why? What is it about our culture which makes this exclusive claim of Jesus that he is the door so offensive why do people find that offensive do we find that a problem sometimes ourselves but what I want to concentrate more on at this point is what would have been the imagery which they would have appreciated at that time and the one which probably most ties in with this comes from the prophet Ezekiel and chapter 34. Ezekiel is a rather long prophecy. It has a lot of a very weird imagery in it at times. And the bit probably most of us know from Ezekiel is a later chapter 37 where you've got a valley of dry bones. But this is in in verse... Sorry, not verse. In chapter 34, there is a prophecy about the shepherds of Israel. Now, I haven't got time to read the whole chapter, so I'm going to select a few verses. I'm going to start with verses 1 to 6 from Ezekiel in chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Ezekiel was a prophet at the time of the exile. So this is particularly looking back to the kings of uh, Israel in, in the centuries before. But it's looking back and saying the people who God had put in control of his people to look after them, rather than looking after them, had exploited them. Is really uh, would summarise that bit. But, what does the prophet say from verse 10? Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, There they shall lie down in good grazing land, on rich pastures they'll feed. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. So God is saying, these shepherds I've left have failed. I will come, I will be your shepherd. I am not going to leave you abandoned. He says, verse 16, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So, when Jesus is saying that he is going to protect his sheep... He is the one who comes. So what Jesus is picking up here is that God has prophesied, I will come myself to be your saviour. I will come to protect you. So Jesus is saying here, I am that one who has come that's why he is the door why there is only one door because it's not a case that Jesus is another prophet who has come to show people the way back to God now you look at other religions and the founders if you want to put it that way will say I am God's prophet I am showing you the way back to God Jesus comes and says I am God I have come to find you, I have come to seek for you." The others who came were thieves and robbers. They came over the wall, not through the door. And I think what we need to be asking ourselves now, who are these thieves and robbers? In Jesus' day, it would look, you know, it would appear he's talking particularly about the authorities of that time, the religious and political authorities of that time. And I think there's an implication that this was very much picked up by them at that time and in the days of the early church. This isn't biblical, so we can't be certain that it's 100% true, but the records are that when James, the brother of Jesus, was being uh, tried before his martyrdom, the question he was asked is, what is the door that Jesus preached about? It wasn't quite in those words, but that was the implication. And in his answer to that, referring back to Jesus, was the thing which triggered him being thrown off the temple. And leading to his death. So, the claim Jesus made then was one which we equally have to face up to now. Do we accept him as the only way for us? Is he the only one we should be following? easy to identify who the thieves and robbers are when you look back to the past. So, when we're dealing with Ezekiel we can see him referring back to the leaders of Israel who had not followed in God's ways. When we look at the time of Jesus, we can see that there are people the political leaders, the religious leaders at that time who were not leading God's people but were protecting themselves to the point that the chief priest at that time a bit later says it would be better for one man to die to protect the country. Basically meaning more to protect their own position. Now that was a prophecy about Jesus and yes one man did die, to protect and give freedom to everyone. If we're looking at, again, this is one of the advantages of getting that bit older, go, look back to sort of the 60s and 70s, into the 80s, yeah, when sort of I was <coughs> sort of growing up, when I was a student. In a sense, if you're in, in the 60s and 70s, you can see that things like fascism, Nazism, things like Soviet communism it was clear by then that those were not solutions to dealing with the world's problems. Though in the 1930s many people saw that they were. But by that point it was clear that they weren't. When I was a student one of the uh, things you know okay Soviet communism obviously didn't work, but Maoism in China seemed to be to many people the solution with actual a people's democracy which really worked. People actually believed that in the early 70s. And in sort of, uh, because I was aware of the way the church being persecuted in China, in a sense that gave me some protection against that. But in the groups I was involved with campaigning on third-world issues. You know, it was, there was this tension. Do you sort of stay as a kind of general, woolly liberal, trying to make things a bit better? And, again, you look at that, it doesn't really seem to have much effect. Or do you go for a revolution which will actually bring real change? And of so places like China and Cuba were uh, portrayed as examples of what you could do. Interesting, within a few years, the Chinese uh, Communist Party actually rejected most of those sorts of approaches anyway, which then left those people with a bit of a problem, because all you were really left with, if you wanted that approach, was Enver Hoxha in Albania, uh, which didn't quite happen. Uh, and uh, there was one group which used at, at the Students' Union, used to have a table, and you could buy the collected works of Endo, Enver Hodger. Uh, I'm not quite sure if anybody ever did. Uh, they're probably good as doorstops, but I'm not sure if there would be any use for anything else. But people have always had this hope that there's something which will bring a solution to the problems of the world. You know, you can see it coming up to some extent uh, with the EU referendum, with people referring to the hopes, you know, of the people who were started the EU that it would bring peace. Because the origins of it were in the European steel and coal uh, community. The idea being that if the control of producing steel and coal was shared it would stop one country being able to rearm and particularly uh, be a threat again. Obviously at that point the main threat they trying to prevent was Germany uh, being another threat. But that was part of the logic behind it. Whether it has worked or not is a moot point. Whether what we have now is what people were hoping for then again is a moot point. But there were hopes that you could, by changing the uh, economics, by changing society, you could actually change situations and bring peace. And I think, again, another thing we need to think, what are the things now which people would put their hope in as an alternative to Jesus? Because Jesus is saying, I am the way... I am the door, I am the only approach, which is going to bring peace. As as it says, towards the end, in verse nine, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is the one who says, it's only in me that you are saved. It's only in me that you will get abundant life. But what are the, again, something maybe discussing in growth groups, what are the things now which people would put their hope in rather than in Jesus that they will get abundant life? It might be something which is different for different age groups. And people go on. But again, there's always the thing that there's always thieves and robbers who are coming to try and keep people away from following Jesus. And so we need to be aware of that, and therefore we need to keep our ourselves so that we're not deceived. We need to be sheep who hear. Jesus' voice and follow him. Okay, could the uh, Adam and group come back up? Let's continue in our worship.